but um, as far as I'm aware, I'm part of a series, and um, I'm assuming, I don't know how many sessions you've had, but we're looking at 2 Peter, and um, my brief tonight is to be looking at chapter 1, verses 12 to 21, the second half of that chapter, and I'm going to read some verses, I'm going to read verse 3 and 4, of one Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 and then from verses 12 through to the end of the chapter. So 2 Peter chapter 1 beginning at verse 3. I'm reading from the NIV so I hope that doesn't create any complications for anybody. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then if we jump to verse 12, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We do not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And as I say, it's that uh, section from verse 12 through to 21 that we're focusing on this evening and um, this is the problem when you're fitting into a series I don't know what's been said already as you've looked at uh, 2 Peter 1 and I don't know what's to come afterwards um, so I hope that what I say this evening will will fit in anyway to to that whole scheme and then also just to say if somebody's looking forward to a verse-by-verse -verse exposition from verses 12 to 21, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you. Uh, because the more I focused on this passage, the more I believe Peter is, is really strongly urging us 
to consider something. And so really, rather than exposition, it's more, it's more an exhortation that I bring uh, before you tonight. Of course, I will be referring to these verses, um, but it's not a, a detailed verse-by-verse verse, uh, examination tonight. And also, I should warn you that um, I'm using an illustration through this evening, and I hope you won't feel that um, I'm insulting your intelligence. Um, but I'm using this illustration. I've always been a great believer in illustrations that, um, that help us. I think mentally I've never developed beyond about the age of seven or eight. And, uh, and some of you know I've been involved teaching kids around that age, and uh, somehow I've never gone beyond that stage. And, uh, and um, so I have this childish mindset. But often I hope, and I hope tonight, that this illustration will help us to grasp what Peter is really saying to us. So um, I hope you won't be too, too offended. And the title I've been given um, tonight is The Importance of Being Reminded. The Importance of Being Reminded. And if I just focus on verse 12, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I will always remind you of these things. Now you get to a certain stage in life and uh, you become a little forgetful. Um, although some of us have perhaps suffered forgetfulness for most of our lives. And um, I've often told this story and at least it makes people laugh, but I won't tell you the full uh, blown story. But um, brought my keys along tonight and uh, some years ago I was setting off to work where are my keys and do you think I could find these keys and uh, so I went all around went around the living room not there couldn't see them sitting on the shelf or surface went into the kitchen looked all around the kitchen no keys where are those keys went upstairs into the bathroom no keys in the bathroom into the bedroom can't find these keys anywhere. Where have these keys got to? I thought, well, I've looked on all the surfaces, tables and everything else. Uh, maybe absent-mindedly, I've, I've put them in a drawer or something. So I went over to this chest of drawers and, um, and went to this chest of drawers to open the top drawer and I put my keys down to open the top drawer. <laughs> yes, yes. I thought, how long have I been searching for these keys? And they've been in my hand all the time. And, uh, you know, how foolish, how stupid you feel at such times. And, um, and I sort of used the excuse that I was under pressure at the time. And there are lots of things on my mind. But uh, we can forget things, can't we? We can be forgetting things all, all the time. And whether it's your keys or maybe you forget somebody's birthday. You forgot to send them a card or whatever. Or perhaps you're on the way home and you've got to get some milk and then you get home, oh, I've forgotten to get the milk. And uh, we can forget things. And, 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 and a lot of the things that we forget, well, they're not really uh, major problems, are they? They're, they're relatively minor inconveniences. But Peter here, Peter is saying something. He's saying that there are some things that we must not forget regardless of how forgetful you may feel or what your weaknesses may be, there are some things as Christians we must not 
forget. Indeed, he's telling us of something we need to be reminded of and we need to be reminding others of over and over and over again. Now, here comes the illustration. Some things stay in our heads, okay? Four nines. Four times nine is? Are you sure about that? Four nines are 36. Yeah, that was pretty easy, wasn't it? Well, for most of us, that was pretty easy, wasn't it? Four nines are 36. Does it come automatically? No, it doesn't come automatically. It's because when we were at school, we had our times tables drummed into us, didn't we? Over and over and over again. And certainly in my generation, there was always a teacher with a long sort of cane pointing at these things if they were written on the, on the blackboard, as we had in those days, um, or whatever, and woe betide anybody if they got it wrong. And we would taught these things over and over and over again. But then if I asked you, who's the current Home Secretary? Or, or who, who won the FA Cup this year? Okay, some of us are not sure. Some of us might know. And um, yeah, 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 yeah. Some team we've never heard of, yes. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, some things we remember, but other things, like our times tables, they were drummed into us. Um, and so Peter is telling us here there is something that we must not forget. And again, I remind you of those first two verses I read, verse 3 and 4 of this chapter. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, these precious promises, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. In other words... It's the truth about Jesus Christ, it's the gospel, it's, it's, it's what he calls here these promises. And it's these promises that enable us as Christians to live godly lives, to live increasingly godly lives. It's these promises. And without these truths, and... Without these truths and not putting these truths into practice in our daily lives, effectively, we're sunk. And that's basically what chapter 2 is going to go on about. That it's so, so important that we know the truths of God. And we're putting those things into practice. And if we're not, we're lost. Now, Peter believes, he's telling us here, that he believes he's going to die soon. And he wants to make sure, both now and after he's gone, that his readers will continue to remember these things. It says that in verse 15. 
and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Now, it's often been said, it's often been said to me, certainly, and I'm sure you've heard people say this. Me, I'm not bothered about theology. Theology, no, I'll just leave that to the experts. I'm just a simple Bible-believing Christian. I never bother with theology. Peter is telling us, in fact, the whole of our New Testament is telling us that theology... What is theology? Well, theology is a teaching about God and about godliness. Theology is vital for every single Christian. <coughs> if I want to avoid being totally misdirected in my Christian life, if I want to avoid veering off the proper Christian path that I should be walking on, I need like a light shining in the dark, as we're told here, I need those truths of God, the truth of the gospel, to be an antidote to heresy. I need the truth of that gospel to guard against false teaching and false living, false practice. Back to my illustration. Imagine you're in B&Q or... Um, ACW. Now, who knows what ACW is? I want to know all the gardeners here. We're, we're an exclusive club, you know. So, here we are. Lovely weather. I want to fill my garden with fabulous things this year. So, um, down I go to ACW or B&Q or wherever it is you buy your garden plants from. And you've picked out some plants. And uh, you've picked out seven plants, okay? Seven plants. And uh, you notice that on display, all these plants, each pot is five pounds per plant. And so you've decided, I'm going to buy seven of those. Okay? Seven plants at five pounds each. So you get to the checkout, and uh, it goes through the checkout, and the lady says, that'll be 42 pounds, please. And of course you say, yeah, Howard? You say, no, it's not 42 pounds. Seven fives are 35. At least it was when I went to school. And um, yes, yes, you see, it's so important that doing these timetables, and why I've used this illustration, is because when we were at school and we did these things, obviously it was good brain exercise to, 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 to learn things and to keep things in our heads. But it wasn't just brain exercise was it we learned our timetables so that when we go out there into the big wide world we'll be able to use those in our everyday living and so here at B&Q or ACW or wherever it is you're in the checkout and you know without having to think straight away seven fives are 35 and you're trying to charge me seven pounds too much and you see if it's important with my times tables that I've put those things into practice, how much more important is it that I should know and be sure of the scriptures and what my Bible teaches me? How sure I should be of that so that the devil and all his agents won't rip us off, as it were, 
and mislead us and try and con us in some way or other. Because that's what he's about. That's what he's trying to do. And Peter is making it clear that if you don't want that to happen, then these scriptures, the truth of your Bible, has to be very much part of your life. Just like your times tables are. If we want, to, we want to avoid being misled, being misled by man-made teaching, and there's such a lot of it around, if you tune in to your DAB radios or on your smart telly and you switch on to some of these so-called Christian, Christian channels, I have to be careful what I say uh, tonight, but some of the things you hear and some of the things you see and the way these things are presented, well, you know, I think, well, I, I'm not sure that has it in relation at all to what my Bible is saying, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing. We've got to be so, so careful. Verse 16. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And a bit further on, verse 20. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not my opinions, my thoughts on things. It's God's words. When we come to the scripture, we're coming to God's words. Yes, people have written these things down, but God gave them to them. They were carried along. They were motivated. They were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. It's God, the Holy Spirit, and not my cleverly invented stories, as Peter calls them here. That's what's going to teach and guide me, others, God's word. That's the important thing. And right through, Peter is saying, right through until Christ returns, verse 19, right through till then, he wants believers to trust what he's saying. Peter's been there. He's been with the Lord himself. Been there on that Mount of Transfiguration. And there he's seen the endorsement from God the Father, of his own son, and the prophets there with him. And the endorsement of all that was being prophesied about this coming Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so we can be more sure of all that was taught in the Old Testament. And all that Jesus has fulfilled and all that he's done and all the teaching of our Bibles. We can be so much more sure of these things. And here he's saying that um, it's this Jesus Christ. This Jesus Christ who says about himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. Yes, there's only one God and there's only one way to God and that is through Jesus Christ and his truth. It's so, it's so important. I want to use three Fs. Now I'm very simple-minded so I find alliteration and that kind of thing really helps me. And so I want to use three Fs to, to, to help to, to 
us to see the importance of remembering, reminding ourselves, reminding each other of God's word. And uh, in using these three Fs, I want, want, to re, uh, want to refer to Psalm 119. Now, I'm sure you all know that Psalm 119, not only is it the longest psalm in the Bible, but also apart from one verse, I think it's one verse, uh, it makes mention of the word of God in one way or another. Okay, so three Fs. So if you forget everything else, go away with these three Fs. The first F is fundamental. Fundamental. God's word is fundamental to us. Our Christian living, our Christian faith. Back to verse 4. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's the scriptures, it's the truth of the scriptures that are going to help us to live godly lives. I'll say that again. It's the truth of the scriptures, it's what my Bible contains, and knowing that and putting that into practice, that is what's going to help me to live a holy, godly life. It's not how many times I come along to church. It's not how many things I'm involved in in church. It's not how many kind acts and nice things I do for other people. All those things, yes, they're important. They're not going to rescue me from worldly ways and keep me on the right way in my Christian living, but it's remembering and applying God's very great and precious promises that we're told here. That's what's going to do it for you and for me. The Bible truth. Now here comes the first verse from Psalm 119, verse 11. I'm sure you all know it uh, without me quoting it, but I'll quote it anyway. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now how important that is. I haven't hidden it in my Bible or put it in a case or put it on a shelf somewhere or in a cupboard. But I've hidden your word right here in me. It's part of me. I've hidden it and, and I better still treasured it. I've treasured it in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. Here it is. Living the right way, living a way that isn't offensive to God, not taking the wrong turning, not saying the wrong things, not doing the wrong things, through having that word treasured in my heart. Part of me. It's fundamental. The word of God is fundamental to holy living. That's what delivers us from surrendering to sin. Here's another quote from the same psalm, this time verse 105. Your word is a light to my feet and a lamp for my path. And uh, we often talk, don't we, about life. We're in the dark and we're not quite sure which way to go. But here it is, my Bible is just like a big bright torch. And first of all, it shines on my feet to see where I'm standing. Where am I now? What's the situation I'm in? And where have I got to go? And I can shine along. Oh, that's the path. That's the way to go. And it's the Bible. It's the truths of God's word that are going to tell me that. 
going to shine on, the, on my feet and show me where I am and show me which way I'm to go. Which way do I go? What decision do I make? The only clear answers are to be found in knowing and in following what the Holy Spirit says to us through the Word of God, through our Bibles. It's fundamental to holy living. That's the first F. Fundamental. The Bible is fundamental to holy living. The second F is fresh. Okay, fresh. Keep God's word fresh in your mind. Back again to verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truths you have, you now have. Yes, you know it already, but I'm going to remind you. And I'm going to remind you again, and again, and again. You know it, but I'm going to carry on reminding you. Yes, okay, you've been reminded, but I'm going to remind you again. <laughs> it's so important. That's why I use the simple illustration of the times tables. Again and again and again because you see it's drilled in and it's part of me and it works. Oh how I love your law. Psalm 119 again this time verse 97. Oh how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I meditate on it. And you might know that that word meditate comes from the sort of word, the, 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 the cow chewing its cud, chewing it over. We often say, don't we, we're chewing something over. And what do we mean? Well, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm thinking about the consequences, I'm, I'm coming back to it again and again, just dwelling on these things. And this is what it means, meditating on God's word. He says, I meditate on it all day long. I don't think he means by that literally every second of every day. But clearly he does mean that this is something he does on a regular basis. Considering God's word, chewing over God's word, thinking about it over and over again. Just as my times tables, so I learn my scriptures and I go over those scriptures again and again and again, I think about it, I pray over it, I study it, so that I don't just get it into my head, but also it becomes in my heart. It's part of me. And it's moulding my thinking, it's moulding my decisions, it's moulding my attitudes, it's moulding my opinions, it's moulding my principles, it's guiding me in every aspect of my Christian life. Now it seems to me, it seems to me that this is where many of us fall down. And um, we make do with other things, other people stimulating us and impressing us, entertaining us, instead of spending time with the Word of God. Now I'm a gadget man, I love all my electric gadgets. And uh, I have the Bible on my phone and my tablet and everything else and, and all the other things that go with it. But, um, but you know, to have a, 
have a real Bible with real pages that you can turn and that you can look at a whole page. And if you want to refer to a, you know, to look at a reference, you haven't got to scroll for hours and hours and then the whole thing goes off and whatever. And, and I sometimes think some people coming into church, there's no evidence that they're carrying anything with them, but they've got the phone in the pocket and out it comes when the sermon comes out. I think, how much nicer if I've got a Bible that I treasure, a Bible that's part of me. And um, I uh, digress a bit, but for a while I worked in the city mission in London and um, a guy who was working with me had the most gigantic Bible you've ever seen. And um, it was massive. And um, we would be marching along, getting on the tube and uh, going off to, to the place where we were door knocking and whatnot. And he'd have this Bible with him and he loved this Bible. And we're sitting on the tube and he'd have it open and he'd be reading it, you know. And of course, it'd take about three seats just when he opened the Bible. But he loved this Bible. And of course, people were sort of obviously taking notice of this, this Bible. And uh, when we knocked on doors, out would come the Bible and he would quote something to him. But but the thing was, this Bible was so precious to him. And it should be precious to all of us. We don't need a big Bible, do we? But we need the Bible to be really, really precious. And um, how important this is. So many of us, we so easily fall, don't we? We so easily um, make mistakes. And uh, we're so gullible. And we're so easily misled. And I think it's important that we remember who's writing these words to us. It's Peter. It's Peter who's writing these words. And Peter knows our weakness. Peter knows what it's like to hear teaching from Jesus, but not to take any notice of it. You remember when Jesus says to him, you're going to deny me. And uh, we can imagine Peter, oh, no, 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 not me. You can rely on me. And sadly, of course, we know the truth of the matter. Three times Peter denies his Lord, and we know one of the Gospels tells us that Jesus looked at him, and Peter just went out and wept bitterly. He denied his Lord. He'd not taken notice of what his Lord said. He'd not meditated on that word. And responded to it in the right way. And um, as a result, he um, grievously fell and disowned his Lord. And um, no wonder, therefore, Peter is feeling so strongly and wanting believers to remember, to be reminded, to remind others of the truths of Scripture over and over and over again. Three F's, I said. So the first F, fundamental. It's fundamental to our faith. And we need to keep it fresh. That's the second F, fresh. We need to be remembering it. We need to be meditating on it. And the third F is follow. Follow. Follow the teaching of your Bible. Put it into practice. Do it. That's what we've got to do. Do it. I can memorize all I like. I can remember I can memorize most of the Bible. At the first church I went to, um, the um, Sunday school there, uh, 
you had to memorize the whole of Psalm 119. Can you imagine that? And um, okay, that was sort of impressive, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything, does it? If I just memorize it, it's stuck in my head. Um, I can memorize <coughs> all I like. I can meditate. I can think about the Bible. I can chew it over in my mind and, uh, and wrestle over it and study it and pray over it and so on and so on and so on and so on. But the clear drive of Peter here is that we're to do this word. We're to do it. We're not just to, to, to have it in our minds and to, and to be looking at it again and again and chewing over it, but put it into practice. We're to do it. Again, verse 5, well, I didn't refer to verse 5, but, but you know how he uses this long list for this very reason. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, and so on and so on and so on. Growing in our faith, making efforts to grow in our faith, taking serious note of God's word, doing what it says, putting it into practice in our everyday lives. Just like our times tables, we use them time and again in our everyday life. So God's word is to be used in our everyday Christian lives. Now, I hope you have, you start your days with what we often refer to as a quiet time. A time alone with the Lord. I know I've they're all grown up now, but I've got five kids, so we were a family of seven, and I know what it's like when you've got noise and chaos. But to make that time to be alone with the Lord and with his word and to pray, to pray over his word, and, um, and I wonder if it's our practice that when we look at his word, we read his word, and we <coughs> pray over it and so on, that we then take that word with us out of the house if we go off to, off to work or whatever, but take it with us into our day and seek to put that word into practice. I wonder if that's, is that our practice? Or do we just read it and we pray and then we forget about it and just go on and live our lives just like our next door neighbours do? It's so, so important that I take Bible truth with me into my everyday life. It's so important here's another quote from psalm 119 verse 133 direct my footsteps according to your word let no sin rule over me direct my footsteps every day where am i going what am i doing who am i going to meet what decisions i'm going to make etc etc what am i going to do your word let that direct me in all of those things every day and again, it's linked with the fact that if I'm following your word, I'm not going to offend God by sinning. It's so, so important. We are to follow God's word. Fundamental. It's fundamental to our faith. The Bible truth. We need to keep it fresh. We need to come back to it again and again and again and meditate on it. We need to follow it. Don't just know it. Put it into practice. Do it. Fundamental, fresh, follow. I just want to make, I know time's gone on, but I just want to make two or three more points before I finish. The first, this, first thing is this. Are your kids saved? 
Are your parents saved? Are your next-door neighbours saved? And what's your influence in their lives? And how does it work for you? Your witness to them. You see, if I am being refreshed, if I am coming back to God's word again and again and again, chewing it over, seeking to put it into practice in my life, then it's not going to be surprising if I find my witness, whether it's to loved ones in my family circle, my next door neighbours, people I work with, strangers I meet on the street, it's not going to be surprising if I find that my witness is going to be much more meaningful and powerful because scripture truth is going to be so much at the heart of what I say and do. This is so important. Secondly, just as Peter wants to remind his readers of the truth of God, so we, not just pastors and teachers, but every single believer, every single Christian, we need, it's our duty to be reminders, as well as being reminded of the truths of Scripture, to remind each other. There are many times when a brother or a sister is, is troubled in one way or another or showing signs of deviating from the right way or whatever, to come alongside and to remind them of precious promises in God's word. And we all need reminding. We all need rebuking. We all need helping. And we've all got a responsibility. That's why it's so important to have the word of God very much at my heart, in my life in my head, but living it out in my everyday living. Now, Phil just mentioned, didn't he, that uh, Ray Wilkie went to be with the Lord in the middle of the week. And I've been involved not only with the Wilkie family, but also another family, not in our church, in another church, where, again, a Christian lady died, and I was involved with the family and, and taking the funeral and so on. But... Um, in, in, in both of these cases, in a time of great weakness, in a time of, of severe illness, in a time of emotional turmoil, the wonderful thing was these individuals were so assured of these precious promises of God. They were so assured of the precious promises. And for them, these precious promises were still fresh. They were still being refreshed by them. They were still being so special. And in one case, the funeral I was involved in, the truths of Psalm 23 were so, so real. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. And uh, I'm so certain of that. I'm so certain that he's got a hold of me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And it was so real in these individuals that they knew it, that they were so confident in it, they were so sure of it. And if 
in, in their cases, if scripture hadn't been so much part of their lives, scripture they'd come back to again and again and again, I wonder if the end of their lives had been the way they turned out. Such a challenge to everybody around and such an encouragement to Christians to see this is how Christians live and this is how Christians die because of the precious promises of God that are so real and true and special in our lives. And the important thing was that it wasn't the people sitting around the bed. It wasn't the loving relatives and people who'd come to say lovely, nice, kind things and so on to them. But it was the scriptures. It was the scriptures that gave them the greatest support and help and consolation and confidence in those dark times. And surely this should be the experience for every Christian every day of our lives. The word of God should be having that effect on us. And that's why Paul is, uh, Peter rather, is urging us here to see the importance of what the Bible says, not what other people tell you, what other people's opinions are, what does God say to us? Verse 15 again. I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. Always be able to remember these things. I will remind you of these things. Let's remember. And let's be reminders. Let's remind ourselves. Let's remind others. Not of cleverly invented stories, but of God's truth. God's very precious promises. And I believe that's what Peter is really urging on us. The Bible, the truth of the Bible. Is it part of you? Is it part of me? Is it really, really part of me? Is it having a practical outworking in my everyday life? And is, as a consequence, is the world really taking notice? Wow, these Christians, they really have a strong belief in this Bible. They really believe it. And it's made such a difference in their lives, obviously. It's not fizz and froth. It's not meetings where there are millions of people all gathered in a stadium. It's not some fancy American speaker who's just full of froth. It's the Bible. It's a Bible truth applied by God the Holy Spirit. That's what counts in my ordinary, everyday life. That's what's going to make me grow. That's what's going to keep me on the straight and narrow. That's going to avoid being misled and uh, going the wrong way and uh, falling hopelessly as we're so easily prone to do. Anyway, I'll shut up. I've gone over far too long. Thank you very much.